Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. To all of you parents and caregivers and family members watching over children, we know things have been tough. So many of you are worried about the mental health of your kids and teenagers, as well as basic things like the expense of groceries and gas. And you may also be weighed down by the realities of things like racial disparities and climate change. All of these factors play a part into the well-being of our communities and families. This hour, my guests and I, we're going to talk about how to support parents and families and strategies for positive parenting. How can we be better parents? I want to hear from you. Our phone lines are open and I, I want to know, how did you learn how to parent? Is there an approach you know now that you wish you had known earlier? What questions do you have for our guests? The phone lines are open. Call us at 651 651- Two two seven six thousand. Again, the number is six five one two two seven six thousand. You can also call eight hundred two four two twenty eight twenty eight. Let me introduce you to our guest. We have Mi Yang here in the studio with me. Mi is a district program facilitator with early childhood family education in Minneapolis public schools. You probably have heard of ECFE classes, right? Well, if not, you're going to learn about them. She coaches and supports parent educators and early childhood teachers, and she has taught parents and young children across various cultural and social economic backgrounds since 2000. Good morning to you, me. Good morning, Angela. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And you shared that you're a mom and a grandmother, and I, I'm struggling to believe this, but congratulations for, for all those young people who have turned to you. Thank you. <laughs> and your family. Thank we you. also have with us Anne Geish. Now, Anne has worked with children and families for more than 25 years. She's currently the chief executive officer of Family Wise. Now, that is an agency that runs parenting education programs. She has a certificate in trauma effective leadership and has co authored a grief support curriculum. Good morning, Anne. Great to meet you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here today. And you shared with me you're that go to auntie that That's we all right. need. Absolutely. I love the aunties. Families need support. (laughs) They do. So I I will be the first to admit that being a parent, uh, definitely the hardest part or the hardest job, rather, I have ever had. Uh, Also the most rewarding. But I have regularly asked myself, did I do that right? Did I say the right thing? Did I make the right decision there? Did I mess up my kid? So uh, do you find that lots of people are indeed questioning whether or not they are doing this parenting thing correctly? And and you can go first, me. Yeah, actually, I think that that is um, very, very common in families and in and parents, all families um, from all different uh, cultural backgrounds, just this whole, um, am I doing this right? And am I, if I do this, am I going to mess up my child in the future? <laughs> right. Um, and those are, um, it's real. Um, and I want, I want all the listeners who are actually feeling that way and questioning themselves. Um, it's going to be okay. And there are people and resources out there to, to answer your questions and things like that. And, and, um, and we just have to do our very, very best. That's all we can do is just do our best. And we have to believe that we have what it takes and we have it inside of us. um, And we have those skills. We just need, we may just sometimes need someone else to, to, um, help remind us. Mm-hmm. And, and and in a conversations you're having, is that a common question or concern that a lot of parents have that they're maybe not doing this as well as they could be? 
I think every parent I've met has always wanted the best for their child and has loved their child. But I don't think every parent always has the room to even question that. If you're experiencing poverty or other types of trauma, you're just busy trying to, you know, meet the basic needs of your family. And you might not have time to even stop and think about, you know, how am I parenting? And what could I do better? Or am I doing the right thing? You're just trying to get through day to day. Right. You've created a safe space. Yes. And basic needs have been met. Right. Yes. And and that is understandable. And that is huge. Yes. Right. But this this the lingering concern, um, I think for me, a lot of it comes out of just, just knowing that I keep hearing like the children are watching. You are the role model. They are learning from you. I'm like, oh, don't watch me all the time. Right. But uh, that is also true that our, our children learn from us. They see how we react to things and how we make choices and decisions. And they get a lot out of that. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, I think the what are the gracious things that we can teach our kids? I mean, how do we teach our kids that it's okay to make a mistake? It's okay mm-hmm. to apologize. It's okay to mm-hmm. learn. It's okay to grow. Um, I think sometimes we feel like we have to be perfect for our kids. And, and I think a lot of times we feel like we have to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. And frankly, kids know a lot that they hear what you aren't saying. They see what you're, what you're experiencing and what you're feeling. And so creating a space where you can be um, like, you know, have developmentally appropriate conversations with them, but where you can allow them to lift up their fears and you can you can just be a human being in front of them is really important. And me, your thoughts on just sort of the pressure that many parents put on themselves, like we need to be perfect because they're watching us and learning from us. Um, it is definitely pressure, um, but it's also powerful because it's the free thing that we can do for our families, right? It doesn't cost money to talk nicely, to be gentle, to love each other. All of those um, actions that we do are free. And those are things that we have to remember when we work with families. We're not just working with that family individually right there at that moment. We are making an impact on their children and their children's children and our basically our um, whole generations after us. And for people uh, who feel like they didn't get the best parenting, what do you want them to know about how they learn to be better parents with their own kids? Because I feel like there are many people who didn't like what their parents did, uh, their parents' approaches, and now they want to do things differently with their kids. Uh, what are you hearing with, with that situation, Anne? So what I would say is that's a wonderful approach to start with and that the most important thing is to feel comfortable asking for help. I think sometimes parents feel ashamed or they feel like they're a burden on others or that there's, you know, that they're going to be judged if they ask for help. But I think no parent can do it alone. And if we can help create supportive communities and supportive networks Mm -hmm. around parents, I think you learn the best from the other people in your life. So the fact that you could sit down with somebody and say, oh, I did this with my kid today and it didn't feel good, that gives you so much more freedom to be able to to think about a different way of doing it in the future. Yeah, there is stigma around asking for help because you're admitting like you don't have it all together. Yeah. And being a parent is so core to your identity to be able to like to have to admit that you're not perfect in the like this core function of your life is just it's really difficult. And I think there's a lot of fear too. I mean there's a lot of fear that if I admit that something isn't going right, is the system going to get involved? Is is it going to, you know, is what's going to happen to my child? I think there's many reasons why people don't turn for help. And I also think people don't know what's out there. And they don't know mm-hmm. about programs like ECFE right. and other, you know, kind of peer support groups that can, you know, be a safe place for you to be able to go and talk about your experiences. And uh, me, the thought that there are a lot of folks 
like I didn't like what my parents did, so I'm going to do this differently. In my case, you know, I did. I felt like I grew up in an extremely strict environment. So then, when I went away to college, I didn't have a lot of skills uh, to do things I'd never done before. I never had a chance to. And so my thought was like, I'm not going to be that super strict parent, but at the same time, there needed to be structure. I don't know. Do, do you hear that from families that I want to do it differently? I do, um, um, especially with our um, immigrant families, um, because there's things that that um, were done um, back home or where they're from that they're used to that doesn't really um, work here um, in in America anymore, right? And so there are things that are um, just a way of life that has to change. And then there's ways, there's things, um, especially around um positive guidance or, or, or discipline strategies, right? Especially around those things um, that families do change um, as they become their own parent as well. But I think it's also important for families to know, parents, you um, you are, um, and, and it, it's kind of, you know, we, you probably hear it all the time, you are your children's first and most important teacher. And, um, and it, it is very true. Our children are always listening. They're always watching us. Um, I know, and those, those big I know, with those big eyes and those ears, <laughs> even though they look like they're not, they really are. Um, and so, um, and so, um, they will, um, they will grow up. Our children will grow up. We have to remember that. And they're going to become their own person with their own personality and, and their own, um, things of, of what they want in their life. And, um, some of those things are not going to be what, what we've done, uh, what we've role modeled for them, right? Some of those things are going to be different and that's going to be okay. We're going to have to allow, and that's just part of, um, our children developing and growing and becoming, um, responsible adults and, and, um, and, and part of our parenting is just to accept that and be okay with that as well. And yeah. I tell some of my younger friends, you know, the thing is, after they're born, they kind of teach you to be, they, they teach you what they need. Cause a lot of it is, is that like each child has a very unique personality and you can have, you know, several children in a family and they all need different things and require different types of parenting strategies. Have you found that to be true as well? And Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think it really hits at something you said earlier, you know, I think there's, um, every child is different and every child needs a different approach. And but we want to have the right approach to parenting. We want to be, you know, we want, we think there's one answer mm -hmm. and there isn't one answer. And so it's really okay to be flexible. And I think that's been really challenging, especially if you grew up watching your parents parent in a certain way and you think that's how you should approach it. And you come up with a child that's extremely different from that. Mm -hmm. That's a real, it's a real shock. And so giving people permission to, you know, respond in multiple ways and to be flexible in how they approach each child is, is, so critical for building that relationship with them. Right. There is no one right answer, but there is a lot of help available, which is what we're going to talk about, What you, some of the resources that you guys offer. Uh, let's take some phone calls. We're talking about, about parenting and how do, how do we learn how to become parents? How do you learn how to parent? Is there an approach that you know now that you wish you had known earlier? What questions do you have for our guests? You can call us at 651-227-6000 or 800 242 2828. Uh, let's take a phone call. Let's bring in some listeners. In St. Paul, Elvira is on the line. Good morning, Elvira. What do you want to share with us? Uh, good morning. I want to share with you the best thing I did as a uh, parent, which was I uh, formed an equal arts partnership with my daughter when she was born. <laughs> and for me, it meant I didn't have to decide between my kid and art. My kid is the source of art. And so what does that mean? What, what, what kind of activities or, or what does that look like? 
Well, uh, first of all, I had to be sure I didn't go the way of the bad stage mom. I had to be clear about what my own wants, needs, and intentions were. That way I could know what I was contributing to the relationship. And having your own wants, needs, and intentions tied to the love of your child is hugely informative. Um, And for for my daughter, she grew up with the, uh, the overall idea is if you grow up with it, it's normal. So she knows that her art and her input has value. Um, we make bobo ties together. We sell them in the local art shop. We get the check together. So she knows that she can uh, uh, exchange her art for monetary value, which was something I had a difficulty growing up with. And so uh, tell me more about that. Were you looking to do things differently than, than what you experienced as a child? Yeah, I, I had a uh, what we'll charitably refer to as an unstable childhood. Um, so what I wanted to do was... Uh, Having her as the source of art made me redefine everything that I have processed and taken for granted in an art form before. So I had to basically reassess everything. And in that reassessment, I discovered that a lot of what we just took as uh, an industry regular is actually abuse. Mm -hmm. So I um, uh, do our best to readdress that and be aware of that as we introduce her into these art forms. All right, that's Elvira in St. Paul. Uh, hearing uh, Elvira express, I want to do this differently, and already thinking from the the jump, as soon as as, as the daughter is 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 born, I'm going to do it differently. What do you hear in, in that story, me? I hear um, love. I hear mm-hmm. commitment. I hear um, building positive relationships with with um, with between the parent and the child. Um, and, 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 and it almost sounds almost like, a uh, um, uh, like this beautiful thing that's become their thing. And I think that's really important for, for families to remember is, is, um, do things, play with your children, do things with your children. Um, and again, that's free. And, and it doesn't cost money to just play and, and do what you both find joyful. Shouldn't they be playing with their friends? We have to play with them, too. <laughs> we have to play with them as well. It develops relationship bonding and all the good stuff. <laughs> I knew that. I just wanted you to tell us why it's important. Um, and anything you want to say about Elvira's story, Anne? Well, I think the other thing that I'd lift up is that um, there's also a lot of skill building and role mm-hmm. modeling and teaching by doing together. And I think that's something mm-hmm. that parents take for granted and um, is such an important way for young people to learn. Mm. All right, uh, another phone call from a listener uh, in St. Paul also. Camille is on the phone this morning. Hi, Camille. What did you want to tell us? Well, hi there. Hi. Hi. Yes, it's always an interesting topic, and I'm always so concerned about parenting and how people do that. But we got into early childhood family education when our children were first born, which was so invaluable. They taught us how to play with our children. We sat in play circles and through the public schools it's called ECFE. Yes, our, our guest me is with ECFE. But go ahead, tell us more about what you learned in ECFE classes. Yeah, just to, to play with the, the children and how to uh, relate to them and how to be, uh, I guess, a good, just a good parent. But then the most important thing, I think, as the children grew, we, um, we had an autistic child and didn't know it. And he was very challenging. So I used some physical force on him. So someone said, you probably should go to Parents Anonymous. And the woman in the class, I'll never forget her. She was wonderful. She said, you need to keep your hands off of your children. That is a violation of their child body rights. So I want to get that out there because some people say, well, I can hit them. And she said, no, you're not, you're not supposed to do that. 
We have to find different ways of doing that, which I found out through another class called Step Parenting, uh, Systematic Training for Effective Parenting. Mm-hmm. It, it was just wonderful. And they said, when the child's out of control, you need to be in control. And it was just so valuable that, that I, and I had to go to all these classes. And I was a 41-year-old mother. I didn't have my first child till 41 years old. So it was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I thought I knew everything. Right. And And, so, so Camille, a lot of people have this belief, you're not supposed to tell people how to raise their children. You're saying you leaned into classes and it helped you. I leaned into classes and that that saved me from hurting my children emotionally and physically because I was on a bus once. My child was three years old only and had a fit because we left the state fair. (laughs) And um, she said, he needs a spanking. And I said, well, I was told that when my child's out of control, I need to be in control. So it was just kind of cool. I didn't have to you know, yell at her or anything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I held him firmly, and warmly, and he finally fell asleep. He was actually tired. Mm-hmm. And then the best book that I found is uh, Children, the Challenge by Rudolf Druckers. That is such an amazing book, and that helped me, too. So there's, mm. there's two different things people can actually use. Oh, Camille, so much in your story. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, I So much there uh, that Camille shared uh, in her 40s when she had her kids and said, like, I, I, I thought I knew everything and quickly learned she did not. So, again, speaking to the value of of that there are people who can help. If you ask for help, what do you, what do you hear in, in, in Camille's story? Me? Yeah. <laughs> ECF, yeah. she was like, shout out to ECFE. I That's know. What, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Camille. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I'm so glad that ECFE did wonders for you. Um, it, it makes my heart so happy to hear your story. Um, we, we know as parents, we love our children. We love our children, um, and we do what we know, right? We do what we know, but then when we know differently, um, we do differently. And so um, th- I want that message out there to all families is that you do what you know, but then when you know better, you go find something that's better, and when you know better, you do that. and um, Expand your knowledge. Yeah, expand mm-hmm. your knowledge. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, I I I just I I'm so happy to hear your story and thank you so much for for reaching out and finding resources to help your family and help your children and help yourself too. Mm. And uh, and what do you think? First of all, what about the, the the judgy person on the bus? You need to spank that child. Like <sighs> that that's not helpful. When again, it, telling people like this is how you should be parenting, right. not helpful. We all have a role in being supportive to parents and and connecting with them and making them feel like they're not alone in those situations is great. But telling somebody you know something like that is not helpful. I think it's more helpful to just be there in solidarity and sympathy and maybe share an example when you know, boy, it's really tough when your kids are really tired and mm-hmm. and making them feel like they're part of the community. Mm-hmm. And I would add the thing that really stood out to me from Camille was, um, you know, great parents aren't born. They aren't born, they're taught. Mm-hmm. And if you've not had somebody to teach you or to give you those, like to be your role model, then it's really important to reach out and to find resources. And I love that she also referenced Parents Anonymous, which I don't believe exists anymore, but the replacement is Circle of Parents. And there are Circle of Parents groups throughout Minnesota, and they're like mutual self-help groups. They're organized by communities. They're in um, churches and schools and all across the state where parents can come together and just share their experiences and learn from each other. Um, and I think you can't do it alone. You really need the support of others. And you need people who recognize you as the expert on your child. Mm. You're going to know what your child needs and, and, and then can help support you in, in delivering that to your child. 
we did a show recently about peer-to-peer support groups and uh, parenting. That's an, another area where peer-to-peer uh, support could be very powerful, I would imagine. Oh, so much so. I mean, you can hear something from another parent that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like somebody with a degree or something like that. It, it just doesn't sound the same. And right. um, we actually at FamilyWise, we do um, some parenting support groups for young parents. And it's been amazing to see how these teen parents lift each other up and, mm-hmm. and give each other permission to kind of share their struggles and, mm-hmm. um, and their experiences and how they form community outside of the groups. Mm-hmm. Let's take another phone call uh, from a listener. As we talk about parenting, I want to know, how did you learn how to parent? Is there an approach that you know now you wish you had known earlier? What's your strategy? What approaches uh, have worked for you? What do you What do you want to do that's different than what your parents did? What questions do you have for our guests? Call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. In Minneapolis, Anissa is calling in. Good morning, Anissa. What did you want to tell us? Yeah. yeah um, and one thing I wanted to say is um, and I work with parents that are... Um, from East Africa, in particular in Somalia. And uh, one thing that we notice is that the sense of village has lost here. In uh, Back home in Somalia, you had the whole village you know, helping. You had multiple generations in the same household. Mm-hmm. So there was a ton of help with parenting. Um, but here, with isolation, people are isolated in high-rises in apartments. So that sense of community mm-hmm. has been lost. And there's also um, a lot of factors that are um, that are very difficult to deal with poverty, lack of housing, uh, lack of space, because in Somalia, kids, you know, played outside, they run around, there's free right now here, you can't do that a lot. Half of the time we are, you know, it's snow outside, you can't play outside, you know, there's only a few months of summer. There's a uh, school district are different, you know, and here, mm-hmm. you know, you are in partnership with the school, but back home, you send the kids to school and school handle the kids. And then when they come home, you handle the kids here. It's like parents are, are involved with everything. And uh, it, it's, it's really very overwhelming uh, raising kids in, uh, in, in here. And one thing I've noticed is a lot of times parents are just tired. They're overwhelmed and they feel like they are constantly being a firefighter instead of architecting their kids' future and their parenting relaxed. Back home, we just if you did something wrong outside, you, your next-door neighbor corrected you. Here it's different. Mm-hmm. And it's just very overwhelming raising kids here. And it's, there's so much expectation. There's so much judgment. Now you also have, on top of that, you have racism. Back home, everybody was the same here. You're dealing with police brutality. You're dealing with violence, community violence. You're dealing with all kinds of stuff. So it's just very overwhelming mental health. Parents who are struggling with mental health because there's just it's just too much coming at them. It's really mm. hard. Anissa, thank you for sharing all of that. And, and we don't want it to be overwhelming. Um and me, I know you have expertise uh, working with immigrant families in particular. Tell us uh, the role that ECFE is playing in the lives of, of immigrant families. Yeah, so we definitely um, are, try to be very responsive to families' needs um, because we can't we we can't even imagine begin to imagine what they what what our families have seen what they've been through right. and then coming here and trying to navigate. Uh, a system with rules and laws that that could be very different from from where they're from or what what they're used to, um, and then on top of that, all of these um, parenting and child development stuff that um, and and 
and guidance strategies that are just so different from what they're used to as well. And then feeling so isolated and so alone. The isolation. Mm-hmm. What's the danger with the isolation? So, um, if you're parenting. Yeah. So if you're parenting and you're parenting in isolation, well, you, you, don't have that network, that that support. And so in ECFE, that's kind of what we try to do is we we try to be responsive. We have affinity spaces for families. Um, so we have classes for families from Afghanistan, um, f- um, specific classes for Somali families, Hmong families, um, families from India, um, Aroma Amharic families. And by making these specific classes, you're building communities. You're bringing parents of similar backgrounds and cultures together. Yes. So they yes. have this time and space to be together. Yes. And then so then they can then create a community, this community network with other families that are from their community, as well as um, in, in being in a space that, that we provide and in a safe space um, mm-hmm. with. Um, and as much as we try to um, provide an educator that is um, um, that looks like our families. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and I know you, you've done uh, you have expertise in trauma and you, you mentioned earlier, like, for many families, you're working, you're trying to keep your child in a safe space, and it doesn't leave a lot of time for much else. And so what did you hear in what uh, Anissa shared? She shared a lot. She shared a lot. And I think that it's, uh, you know, those are the struggles that we see families face every day um, in our work. And um, parenting is hard. And parents often put themselves last. And so um, even if it's just, you know, giving yourself a five-minute break in the bathroom so that you can take a minute to collect yourself, I think it's really important to find ways to do, you know, to care for yourself so that you're available for your children. And beyond that, I think it is about building that sense of community. I think ECFE is a great resource. I think there are other resources out there, but um, you don't have to do it alone. And even in high rises and um, and when in those places of physical separation, how can you start to build connections with your neighbors? And especially if you're somebody who is in a different place, like maybe you don't have kids or your kids are older, how are you a support to the people that are around you? How are you a good neighbor? How are you a good friend? And what are the ways, instead of waiting for somebody to ask you for help, are the ways you can offer help so that parents don't feel as isolated and alone? Me, I, I want to fast forward. So for children who grew up in an environment like this, uh, their parents were immigrants to this country, but now they're adults and they're, you know, having kids. What do you see there? Right? They, their childhood experience is very different than what their children will will experience in them. What is what are some of the stories that you hear there? Yeah, um, I I hear I hear stories um, um, a lot around um, even like interracial dating and interracial marriages, um, and um, and then stories of of combining cultures. Yeah, combining then, cultures. Uh huh. Mm. Yep. Yep. Because it is how it is, um, and. Um, um, and then um, I, I hear stories like, "Oh, when I grew up, when when um, back home, um, we we shared one one room together. Mm-hmm. We shared a space together. And now these children, they want their own room. They want their own, own bathroom. Their own bathroom. They want their own their own something, right? Um, and so this this whole." Um, um, family thing, um, family working together is now so individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's moved that way, um, and and then and but then you've got to make decisions. Then yes, right, yes. And so you have these options. So that's where it gets complicated. So do you offer counsel to people, or or people you just bring people together and they talk amongst themselves? Like, 
Because there is no right answer to it, right? There is no right answer. And it's all there, there, because there's nothing wrong with it. It's just different. It's just different. It's just different. And so then, um, and, and where we are in, in our head, um, and in our belief, um, we're, that's kind of where we are. And then through conversations and talking, then we can just move forward in our own, um, uh, on, in our own way. And so there's no right or wrong way. It's just different. Mm -hmm. But educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a theme there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to take another phone call from a listener. We're getting lots of phone calls and then we'll do a news break. Uh, in, uh, Minneapolis, Bethany is on the phone now. Good morning, Bethany. Thank you for calling in as we talk about parenting and what you want to tell us or ask. Hi. Um, I had a question and it was kind of geared towards, um, how can additional caregivers and teachers support families? Um, I know that many families coming from poverty or refugee status have had different lived cultural um, norms and experiences in their parent-child relationships and families of origin. And so it feels like a really foreign concept uh, when maybe teachers or other caregivers are trying to support caregivers and saying that, you know, Emotion coaching is really important and or both we need to, you know, have early and often conversations about sex ed and race with our kiddos. And it's just something that's never been part of their experience or cultural norm. And so I'm wondering, how can we help caregivers um, both honoring and acknowledging those cultural norms and lived experiences and support them in helping their child have healthy development? Mm, thank you. Bethany wants to help. But uh, I don't know, as a parent, how do I feel about someone approaching me? Angela, let me help you with some emotion coaching. Uh, what do you see me and how can uh, uh, people who want to support parents, how do you do that in a respectful way? Um, so emotional coaching um, is definitely something that um, in ECFE we do talk about. We talk about what is it? Well, it's 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 really helping families um, to to understand how to respond to children's needs and respond to children's feelings, and and mm-hmm. uh, while um, figuring out their own feelings, um, and so um, and and helping children to get through this really hard thing, this really big thing that they're kind of going through, um, but being a support and helping um, and, and, and saying things like, um, um, I'm right here. Um, you know, I'm right here if you need me. I'm right here. Do you, it looks like you need a hug. You know, and saying all those, those, those very, um, those things that our children need to hear from us to, um, to really build those relationships. And so um, it really just gets at. at but culture, mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. cultures, that conversation doesn't happen. It's just the look. Like, <laughs> right? You give the look like you should know. We don't do that. Right. So, again, culturally appropriate. I mean, this could be a a barrier or is that just really being respectful? And so this really speaks to me because this has been my experience. I mean, I'm not a parent and I've worked with families for, you know, a long time. And um, my approach when I work with families is I might have some information. I might have some ideas. I might have some resources that I can share with you. And as a parent, you get to decide what's best for your family. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know whether... The look is the most, you know, I mean, sure, you might say emotional coaching is important, and it is. It absolutely is. It's really helpful for young children to start to be able to, like, label their emotions and regulate them and to understand them. And I still 
trust a parent if they know that that's not the right fit for their family for whatever reason. And so I think it really is about when you want to be, you want to walk alongside a family and trust their wisdom and trust their expertise and trust what they know about their children and how that fits into their culture and their family. And so you offer information, you offer resources, but then you really, you know, you trust the parent to do with it what they will. Mm -hmm. Let's go to St. Paul and talk to Bree. Bree, thank you for waiting. And what did you want to share or ask? Hi. Hi. Um, well, I just wanted to share that I am estranged from my parents because of my own mother's narcissistic tendencies. Um, so I think that the natural parenting response that I would have is just do the opposite, be the opposite. But as I parent, I recognize a lot of things my mom got right. So my takeaway is while I parent, I just I keep three things in mind at all times. I see my kids as individuals. Mm -hmm. I respect their feelings. I make sure they know their feelings better. And I apologize because we're all just winging it. So I apologize often. And Brie, uh, I'm sorry that you have, have lost contact with your parents, but you made that decision because you wanted to protect your own children or or to protect yourself. Both. Absolutely both. Um, I noticed my mom, my daughter was two at the time, and my mom would refer to her as naughty. She'd say, she's she's just like you. She's naughty. And that, to me, was that was the final straw. Like, she compared me to herself my entire life. But when my daughter came and she was doing the same thing, she just, she just, a narcissistic, a narcissistic person will see, they don't see their children as individuals. They see them as an extension of themselves. And she was, she did it to me my entire life. And then she started with my daughter and I, I just had to draw the line. Mm -hmm. Brie, I want you to stay on the line because uh, I'm going to ask our guests about some of what you're sharing here. Uh, And what are you hearing in Brie's story? So Brie, I just, I just want to congratulate you and applaud you for your courage and your commitment and the love that you're showing. You bring such a voice of compassion and and truth to what you're saying. And I, I can't imagine how difficult that was for you. And I just think it's such a great gift of love to yourself and to your child. And I think when you said, you know, you did it not just for yourself, but your child, doing that for yourself is a gift to your child. Taking care of yourself is part of being a good parent. And I just um, really appreciate what you had to say. And you co- you speak with such clarity and intention. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's it's beautiful. And I know other people who are listening will really are resonating with what you're saying. Yeah, Brie, not the first person to say, you know, I'm going to have to cut ties here. Um, and me, what yeah. would you say to Brie? Let's hear from me here. Yeah, I think as parents, we have a responsibility to take care of our children. We have a responsibility to keep them safe. And sometimes we have to make some really, really big decisions um, and some really hard decisions. Um, And so that's just what we have to do when we become a parent of of children that we have to take care of. And so good for you, Bree. Um, Good for you. I really, um, again, your story also touches my heart in that... um, it, I, I, I can't even imagine how hard it must have been for you to make that decision. And Brie, do, do people who are close to you, do, do they know the story about you and that your relationship with your mother, you know, is, 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 is severed right now? 
Yeah, um, I'm one of five siblings, and luckily, we are on the same front. Um, We've all cut ties. We all cut ties around the same time. My mom has a really hard time respecting boundaries, and she came and camped out in front of our houses and wouldn't leave. So we, it was really, it was a really easy uh, event that kind of made us just cut ties. So we're really open about it when people ask us and we talk about it and we're all in therapy, but um, we, we don't have a problem. We just don't, we don't share it with like our family that, you know, her, her family members. We don't, we don't have a lot of contact with them either, but we certainly wouldn't, we wouldn't hide it either. Mm-hmm. So we're just, we're very open about it. Mm-hmm. Aubrey, thank you for calling and sharing your story. I appreciate it. Um, I want to go to Rochester and hear from another listener. Uh, this is Carol. Good morning, Carol. And, and what do you want to share with us about learning how to parent? Good morning, Angela. Um, I have to say, this is I've never done this before, <laughs> but I was just compelled by this discussion. Um, I think the, the gist of what I wanted to say is that Um, I am becoming a better grandparent through my children, um, watching my children raise their children. Um, I I was born in the late 50s. I had my children when I was in my early to to late 30s, uh, three children. And my parents, um, you know, they they raised their children in the 50s and the 60s, and and there was a whole different methodology of of parenting, Mm -hmm. Um, very, you know, physical um, words were uh, pretty explosive, um, and that's the system that I came out of. And when I was raising my own children, I vowed, vowed that I would not be that, that I would not do that. But <laughs> I think, you know, someone said, you do what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I did what I knew. And, and I didn't feel like I really had the resources to correct what I knew was wrong. Um, and I, I, I can go back in time and feel that sense of rage and powerlessness when, when my children were being kids. And they were acting out as kids do, rightfully so. Um, but what, what so, does Grandma Carol look like? How is Grandma Carol showing up now? Um, uh, well, she is. Um, <laughs> my daughter, uh, when my 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 uh, oldest little grandchild is two and a half, and she is. I love her. She's so spirited. She's got a big, big spirit, <laughs> and 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 sometimes she gets. You know that spirit gets out of control, right? <laughs> and so I, I have reverted back to old form, and my daughter will just give me the stink eye and say, "Mom, that's not how we do it." You know, and I go, "Oh, oh, oh, okay, yes, thank you." You know, thank you because she, she, she just kind of boundaries, yeah, puts me, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so that's what I mean when I and, and my other little grandchild is one. So I know there's a lot for me to learn from from my son and, and daughter-in-law in that regard. Um, but it, it, she just brings me up short and, and makes me realize, oh, yes, yes, you are. I'm in awe of them. I'm in awe of the way that they're parenting this, these beautiful little people. And, and that's one of your guests had said, these are little people. They are little persons in front of us. And, and, I, and that just really rang true to me. You know, well, Carol, yeah, I, I appreciate I, that, I that you're that. open to learning. You're open to being redirected. Um, 
<laughs> me, uh, this is a situation too. You and a partner, you work out, you know, or as a single parent, this is my approach, this is how I would do things. And then here come the grandparents with some other <laughs> ideas. Uh, how do we resolve these conflicts? Um, definitely, um, the, the, the children belong to, the grandchildren belong to the children. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and be a support. I'm also a grandmother, and so I can, I can kind of resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, give your children, um, their own opportunity to learn how to be a parent and be respectful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but just know that you did something right because your daughter knows how to do it right. Right. So That's a win for that. Kel, right? Mm-hmm. Her daughter did not yeah. Yeah, repeat the way that she was raised. Mm-hmm. She's doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Kel, I, I'm with Carol. She's trying. Right. <laughs> and what do you think about well, Carol's and, story? And clearly her, she and her daughter have a good enough relationship that Communicating. she's open to hearing mm-hmm. and having those boundaries set. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we forget about that intergenerational trauma that plays out in parenting mm. and in a lot of circumstances. And, and it's really important to remember that healing is possible and that you can always do better. And that you can, like, forgiveness is also possible. So I just, I I hope, Carol, that you also tell your daughter and your son that you are in awe of them, because I think that will mean the world to them. Yeah, she says this is her first time calling in. So, Carol, tell your daughter, tell tell the parents that you're proud of them. I love that. Let's take another phone call. Uh, In Minneapolis, Erin is on the line. Hi, Erin. Go right ahead with your question or your story. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for, for talking about ECFE. Um, I took both my girls through it, and it was amazing. Um, and I encourage everyone to look to look into ACFE classes. But so now my oldest is 12, and I need late childhood family education. I need I need those those groups and those um, parents and the resources, especially the parent educator. Where do I go to to learn about parenting a tween and almost teenager? Uh. Tweens and teenagers. I think one of the first shows I did here at, at NPR, Aaron, like what's harder, being a parent of a toddler <laughs> or a teenager? So let's talk about uh, what Aaron has brought up. Okay, ECFE helped her with the early childhood, but now here we are at 12, going to 13, 14. Uh, is there any help or support there? What resources are available for, for parents of teenagers? Um, me? Um. Yes, we. I I actually do hear that a lot um, because parenting doesn't end. It doesn't end after no. early childhood. Um, and um, unfortunately, ECFE only goes up to third grade. Um, but um, uh, I I would encourage you to reach out to your friends and and you start start your own group. Start your own group. And and um, because I I bet you there are families out there that you know um, that are also thinking and, and wanting the on same. On this journey. Yeah, on this journey and needing the same okay. help and support. But me, you're, you're our friend now. So mm-hmm. what, what do we do with the, the, in general, with the tweens and teenagers? What are just some basic things to be aware of and to be to support them, but also help, you know, maintain your own sanity. Yes, just remember that they um, are their own person. Um, they have, they know exactly what they want, exactly what they they, they need at this moment in time. Um, allow them to be teenagers, allow them to be children, um, and just really be a support to them. Um, there's some people that do say, "I want to be their friend," um, but that's totally up to you. That that is your value. And Angela and, did not say that. Yeah, yeah, that right, did not come right. Out of my no. mind. I am not your friend. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I could make a T-shirt, uh-huh. I am your mother. Yes. I am not your friend. Yes. That's my so, approach. Yes. And so um, that is my <laughs> approach as well. Then our children only have one one mom and, and one one parent, and that's going to be us, right? Um, and so, um, but um, uh, just know that they are also trying to figure out how to be mm-hmm. on this world and who they are um, and allow them that space and and and, and honor that and, and and be just be a support. Know that you are there. Make sure that they know that you are there to help them whenever they need. And just some with your life experience and your work experience, advice to parents of teenagers and tweens. So I think that they think they know what they want all of the time, but that changes in every thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it very difficult because they're just they're really um, figuring out who they are. And uh, I think that. Um, you get the worst of their behavior. You, right, because you're the safe person. You're the safe place. Right. You are the right. safe people. And so everything that's going on in their world kind of comes out at you. And I think just being willing to kind of ride that out and finding good ways, again, of taking care of yourself. And mm-hmm. like, you still need to set boundaries. You don't have to tolerate, you know, um, behavior that's abusive or that is disrespectful. But giving some grace and recognizing that it's not personal. It's not about you. It truly is about you being their safe place for all of this to go through. And hanging in there because you, it is the what comes after is so wonderful. The relationships mm-hmm. you have once, once you know your your tweens and your teens have worked through it, and you kind of come back together in a whole new way, and you get to delight in this incredible, you know, young adult and young person in front of you. Mm. And and I'm so sorry we have like. Two minutes left here, but I, I want to let folks know that Family Wise released a family well-being index. And just can you in, in a minute tell me what was in it or, or what stands out to you that you think would be valuable? So we, we really wanted to start the conversation around what it takes for families to have well-being. And so this is our second annual family, family well-being index. And we just really look at both concrete supports. So what are the, the economics of ha- having a family? Like what's going on with housing and those important child care, those important indicators. But also let's start talking about natural supports because we know that that's what really makes a difference in the long-term life of a family. What is a natural support? A natural support is your village. It's your circle. It's the people people you can turn to, whether it's, you know, the, um, you know, your neighbor, your best friend, your mother, your aunt. Sometimes it's even the person at Wendy's that is friendly to your child every Friday when you stop in as a reward mm-hmm. um, because they had a good week at school. Um, and really thinking about how we bring that whole wisdom of the system into um, that whole community together to support a family. And being, and being open and willing to ask for help, again, is sort of the message I got out of this today. Absolutely. It's the most right. important gift you can give a child. All right. Our, unfortunately, our time is up. Thank you to all of our listeners who shared great questions and stories and to our excellent guests. We've been talking with Mi Yang, a district program facilitator with Minneapolis Early Childhood Family Education, ECFE. Check it out with your local school district. And Anne Gaish, the Chief Executive Officer of FamilyWise, an agency that runs parenting education programs. This conversation was produced by Danelle Cloutier and Samantha Matsumoto. All right, we'll talk again tomorrow morning at 9. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.